All right, so you already got kind of a start on this, but we're going to be going back and talking today about those Hebrew people. Now, the Hebrew people had suffered a, a, a long train of abuses as slaves in Egypt. They had been slaves for hundreds of years and forced to work, and then God worked through Moses to throw off, to declare their independence from Pharaoh's tyranny. And after years of war, the Hebrew people went on to form a new system of government in the Promised Land. Now, one thing was for certain, that for these people, after living under absolute tyranny, absolute despotism, the people, were they going to go out and just appoint themselves a king? No, no, of course not. And neither Moses nor, nor George Washington would have accepted that title anyway. The Hebrew nation was not a democracy, where hundreds of years earlier than that was an idea. And, of course, by that definition, the United States is not an exact democracy today. We're a republic. Initially, both the Hebrew people and the United States, this is interesting, they both tried a system of government called a confederation. The tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 13 states of the original colonies tried this form of government in which each state would largely have their own laws and that they would just try to agree to trade together and come together for mutual defense, but pretty much everything else was kind of left to the tribes or left to the states. And it was the idea was that it would keep most decisions regional or local. And it didn't work in either case. The Hebrews were a confederation for about 225 years, but if you're being honest, it only worked for a few of those years. And that, and that was really only when you had good leadership, like you had leaders like Gideon, or you had leaders like Deborah. And yes, women in the confederation could be leaders. Under good leadership, which was really only just a few years, the Hebrew confederation would work. Now, the United States was, were only a confederation for about eight years. And I'm going to tell you, it, it never really worked. Now, the first president of those United States was elected in the November election of 18, 1783. And does anybody, does anybody know who our first president actually was? Yeah, it's a name everybody knows today. John Hansen. John Hansen was our first president under the Articles of Confederation. And... As a rule, confederations are kind of a, a nice idea, but they've never really worked. The Hebrew confederation, and there's no, there's no other way to put it, they, they devolved into depravity. It was bad. The final words of the Book of Judges, which tells the story of this confederation, are, in those days there was no king in Israel. Each person did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And there was no concern for the common good. 
was selfish. The Articles of Confederation in this land only lasted for about eight years, but it was clear that it wasn't working. So after only a few years, a new type of government was established under the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And so while you all know that our, our birthday, our Independence Day, is July 4th, 1776, the Constitution wasn't ratified until about 12 years later. And then George Washington was elected the first constitutional president later that in that November. But we had a whole other United States for a few years. In the course of human events, it has become necessary to change things from time to time, whether the separate and equal sta um, station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. That when freedom of our lives or our bodies is abused, it becomes necessary to change things, to change things for the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so after about 225 years of freedom, freedom from despotism, the people of the 12 tribes of Israel, they decided to try something new. This is their story. The Israelite elders got together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, listen, you are old now and your sons don't follow in your footsteps. So appoint us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. It seemed very bad to Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered Samuel, comply with the people's request, everything they ask of you, because they haven't rejected you. No, they've rejected me as king over them. They are only doing to you what they've been doing to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this very minute, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. So comply with their request, but give them a clear warning, telling them how the king will rule over them. Then Samuel explained everything the Lord had said to the people who were asking for a king. This is how the king will rule over you, Samuel said. He will take your sons, and he will use them for his chariots and his cavalry and his runners for his chariot. He will use them as his commanders of troops of 1,000 and troops of 50, or to do his plowing and his harvesting, or to make his weapons or parts for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers or cooks or bakers. He will take your best fields, vineyards, olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will give one-tenth of your grain and your vineyards to his officials and servants. He will take your male and female servants, along with the best of your cattle and donkeys, and make them do his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. 
when that day comes, you will cry out because of the king you chose for yourselves. But on that day, the Lord won't answer you. But the people refused to listen to Samuel and said, no, there must be a king over us so we can be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us and lead us and fight our battles. Samuel listened to everything the people said and repeated it directly to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Samuel, comply with their request, give them a king. The Hebrews, the 12 tribes, they chose their new government. They got what they wanted. They got a less perfect union. And the day came where everything that Samuel said started happening. The kings were so abusive over the people. So abusive that the people began assassinating their kings for corruption and abuse. Now, after only eight years, the people of those United States under the Articles, they still remembered what life under a tyrant was like. So the Congress attempted and the states attempted to form a more perfect union. Not a perfect union. It was never perfect. But they designed it with the idea that it was flexible and that it could evolve as people would argue and they would fought and even died so that all, all men and women, people of all races, you know, we always remember that, you know, black people who are in the Constitution to this day are listed as two-thirds of a human being. And Native Americans, my ancestors, some of them, aren't worth one. They don't count. It was never perfect. But we have worked. We've struggled and sacrificed to always to make it a more perfect union. So that all people would have the right to vote and participate. And that there was equal protection under the law for all people. And after 234 years under this Constitution, our union is hurting. Like our ancestors, we are seeing the freedoms of lives and bodies abused. We are seeing leaders like Samuel's sons, those sons that were not like him, and that were more interested in lining their own pockets and perverting justice, as the scriptures say. And just like our ancestor, the choice is ours. As you spoke the, this morning these words, governments are instituted among men and women, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. This is what God was telling the people as well. You get to choose. And God urged the, the 12 tribes of Israel to choose differently. But the choice was theirs. Our Constitution was designed to allow for the flexibility to change as the world changed. But it requires something. It requires you to participate. The Hebrews, I don't know how else to put it, the Hebrews got lazy. They just wanted to have a king 
to, to judge and to make the rules and to fight for them. They wanted someone else to do it for them. Our system of government, I, I'm a patriot about this. Our system of government gives us the right and the responsibility to vote, to participate in choosing the laws and the leaders. However, this month alone, Voter turnout in large state primaries in our land? Throw out a number. What do you think it is? 20? About 30% in some of our... Three out of 10 people. The Hebrews also wanted someone else just to do it for them. And they got what they wanted. They chose to return to the same tyranny that they had escaped. They chose a less perfect union, and they suffered for it. I think it's more than to say, fair to say that our union is hurting right now. We're, we are divided. We're arguing. And yet, only three in ten are claiming our right and our responsibility to participate, to vote. This constitutional system only works if people participate, if people vote, if people run for office, if people speak out against the abuses to the rights and freedoms that are endowed by our Creator, our God. Now, I do not believe that God blesses this nation above all others. I don't believe that. But I do believe that God lets us choose just just like our ancestors chose. God grants us that freedom and that responsibility. And God warns us today, as certainly as God has in the past, to choose wisely, to always try and to work for a more perfect union, guided by the values for the common good, the common good that is so much more than all of us just doing what is right in our own eyes. Jesus saw the abuse of power of the Roman Empire, and he offered a different vision for a new kingdom. Sometimes I'll call it a kingdom in which every person was valued and affirmed, where wealth or gender or race or nationality did never, never determine a person's worth. And that is the, the, the vision that Christ's church continues now and always to proclaim. But here's the thing about Jesus' kingdom. Just like all of it, it's a choice. You get to choose it. God grants us that freedom and asks us to choose wisely. And I know... I know there are a lot of people who are feeling kind of hopeless that such a world could ever exist. And yet, here's the deal. That vision, that hope for freedom, for dignity for all, that vision never dies. 2,000 years ago, Jesus celebrated a Passover meal. It's a meal that remembers and honors the freedom of the people of the 12 tribes, their freedom from tyranny. And that was his 
last meal. No accident there. And we continue to celebrate that vision of what could be, of what can be. But this meal, it's a meal that you have to participate in. It's your choice. It's a, it's a vision that you have to own for yourself. Jesus knew when he sat down at that meal that he was going to be killed, that his life was going to be sacrificed for a better way of living, a way of living not by, uh, not by violence, but in peace. And his sacrifice was not in vain. For as long as we participate in the community of compassion and freedom that this meal stands for, that vision will never die until it becomes the reality that we choose. So many empires have risen and fallen. But the vision, the vision for what could be, it's been with us always, and it always will. It lives as you participate.